Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What is going on? I know it's been a minute since you've seen your girl here, Jenna, but Gerard has been a constant for the seven footers. You know it. You know it. Got to stay out here in the trenches while you're out there with the Connecticut sun trying to make money. I was like, oh, she's signing her contract with the sun. I was like, no, she's not an actual WNBA player. But, you know, she's out there making moves up in up in the uh, the nutmeg state. Hey, you know. It's it's a doozy out there, but it's fun. Hey, you know, they almost signed me, but then they were like, oh, wait, you have no skill or athleticism. So next best thing was just, you know, throwing T-shirts. That's what I have to do. All good. All good. Love it. But let's stick to the business here because the deal is, Gerard, we're pretty much down to the wire here. It is a playoff race in the association, and things are getting heated between the Deep East and the Stacked West. So – Let's talk a little bit here about key players in the MVP race so far with what we're talking less than 20 games per team here. The playoff race for the play-in starts April 16th. So let's get down to business here. And in no particular order, I am going to rile off the players that Gerard has on his MVP list here. So we're talking Sixers, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee, DeMar DeRozan as a bull, and Ja Morant, who is just going off, entering that MVP race, and maybe a wild card. Let's talk about maybe Luka Doncic. So talk to me a little bit, Gerard, about these key players that are pretty neck and neck, in my opinion, I would say Embiid, Jokic, and Antetokounmpo. So yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about this. And we know DeMar DeRozan made history, of course, with the Bulls. And he's been on a scoring tear in his debut season in Chicago. And Morant speaks for himself at this point. I mean, just watch the highlights here. He's in the top 10 every night on Sports Center. So give it to me straight, Gerard. Let's hear the cold, hard truth about the <laughs> race. No, I, I, I think you're dead on here, Jenna. It is pretty much a, to me, the way I have it ranked is Embiid, Jokic on Tentacupo, right? And honestly, Jenna, like it's it depends on what day of the week I wake up, my answer might change, right? Like this is what we're seeing with these amazing, amazing players. I just want to pull up what they're both doing, right? What all three of those guys are doing right now, according to estimated plus minus on dunks and threes. And you know that is my favorite stack, all in one stack to use to give you a depiction of what a player's doing. 
estimated plus minus gives you uh, an, uh, a breakdown of what a player's team does when he is on the court relative to the opponent they are playing. A plus is a good thing because that's how many points per 100 possessions. They're better. A minus is a bad thing. Nikola Jokic is first at plus 8.7 points per 100 possessions. Joel Embiid, plus 8. Giannis Antetokounmpo, plus 7.2. I mean, it is, this is what we're talking about, Jenna. Like, we are talking neck and neck here with, with those three. And then, you know, when you talk about the rest of your ballot, I like DeMar DeRozan and John Morant. And, you know, it, it really is probably going to come down to, because we always see the MVP is a narrative-based award. Um, Giannis has already won two. It's, it's so funny how we do that thing, right? Where it's like, oh, voter fatigue. It's like, yeah, but if you're good, why does right. it matter if voters are tired? Like, if you are the, clearly the best player, it shouldn't matter, right? Uh, so Giannis has already won two in a DPOY, so that may be held against him in some way. Um, yeah. Joel Embiid, why does this sound good for him? It's that he's the new kid on the block, right, in terms of MVP, because he's of the three of those people we, we've talked about at the top. He hasn't won one yet, right? And the mm-hmm. numbers he's putting up for Philly right now are incredible. He was doing most of this, by the way, way before the James Harden trade, and he's still putting up even more monster numbers now, you know, numbers similar to a prime Shaquille O'Neal. And then we have uh, Nikola Jokic, who is missing his second and third best players, yet still has the Denver Nuggets uh, playing exceptional basketball and in the playoffs. You take Nikola Jokic off that team, they are for sure in the lottery, okay? They're <laughs> terrible. Easy. Um, and again, Jokic is our reigning MVP, won it last year. But the fact that he is head and shoulders at plus 8.7, I mean, seven-tenths of a point. So, not, But like to maintain that kind of lead all season, I think it's incredible. If you ask me today, I would go Embiid 1, Jokic 2, Giannis 3, DeRozan, uh, Morant 4, DeRozan 5. And this is no knock to DeRozan and Morant. Obviously, the Bulls are playing better than – listen, when that, when that trade happened, I was like, oh, great. So you can be, what, out in the first round of the playoffs? Which, by the way, still might happen. They still might lose in the first round of the playoffs. But the Bulls are better – playing better than everyone sort of predicted they were, they were going to play. And what John Morant's doing in Memphis is unbelievable. I mean, absolutely. He's, what, 22 years old, and so was Derrick Rose when he won – his MVP, he's the youngest uh, MVP of the league uh, in history right now. So interesting, John Morant could potentially make history. We'll keep an eye on that one. And yeah, Luca is that wild card that I'm seeing as well. But I mean, like I said before, I think the top three in Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic have it right now. But again, like you said, it's Mm -hmm. ever-changing, and that's how the association is. So again, this latter half of the season is really going to determine a lot of course so and, and i think with 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 luca what penalizes him jenna is he had a slow start to the season right came yes. in out of shape the mavericks weren't playing that well right and we'll get to them later they're surging lately you know but if you're looking at epm which again is what i'm using as as my tool luca's at plus 4.5 epm which is of course excellent in the 97th percentile mm-hmm. but he's that's behind jason tatum carl anthony towns jared allen donovan mitchell right like a, a number of players he's below, right? So even as well as he's playing right now, I don't think that that surge was good enough. Now, if for some reason he's able to continue this surge and the Mavericks find their way up into, I don't know, the third or fourth seed, well, then I don't know. 
we might have to change our minds then. But to your what you said earlier, we only have, we have less than 18 games to go, uh, less than 20 games to go, mm-hmm. 17, 18. So it's not a lot of time for him to change hearts and minds. But you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, really quick before we move on, uh, you question about this because I feel like a lot of people debate this online, and you know, I'm always checking the Twitter feed. So you know, I got to see what the kids are talking about these days. Do you think that NBA MVPs? And I'm I'm saying NBA MVPs because that's the league that we're talking about right now. But do you believe when people say MVPs have to go to a guy on a winning team? Why does that have to happen? Yes, you're helping your team win, but what if you're playing at an MVP like level? Help uh, some of our listeners understand that a little bit and your side of things when people try to debate that online or in circles while they're talking about basketball. Yeah, I think it's a good question, Jenna. I think look, it, it's that's when you talk about MVPs, right? Winning has to come into the equation, right? Uh, but then you get that that the term in there. But yeah, but who is the most valuable, right? And we go back to the year that Russell Westbrook won the MVP award. Uh, he put up the average triple double that season, which hadn't been done since Oscar Robertson, and it was a huge deal. But in terms of winning, and the metric that I often use when you determine the NBA win shares per forty eight minutes, Westbrook was tenth that year. He wasn't even in the top five, right? So. As great as stats as he was putting up, um, was he the most valuable to his team? I mean, again, it's how you define value. I think one of the ways we can we can work around that is to add a new award. And something I've been sort of champ, champ, championing and, and campaigning for years is getting us on the stage of adding a most outstanding player or offensive player of the year award, right? Because every other league does it right? The NFL does it. They have an offensive player of the year award, right? Mm -hmm. And the offensive player of the year and the MVP aren't always the same person, right? Sometimes it is, but sometimes not, right? Mm -hmm. So in that year, we're talking about Westbrook, Westbrook probably would have won offensive player of the year. But MVP that year, if we go by the metric that has proven and borne out the last 10 MVPs with the exception of Westbrook's year, would have been Durant that year, his first year with Golden State. He would have been the MVP. But then you have that narrative thing where it's like, oh, but him and Steph cancel each other out. Well, but why? Why? Like, why Why is that a thing? Right? So, again, it's this – it's narratives and stories. And part of it is the best way that the casual fan understands sports, Jenna, is through story, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is, when, is how we tell stories. But, again, if you're looking at it from a pure, you know, production and value in terms of winning, win shares per 48, so contributing the most to winning basketball games – Generally, the person who is number one in Winchester 48 is the MVP. And just coincidentally this year, the leader of the league in Winchester 48 is, in fact, Nikola Jokic, right? So, I mean, this is – these are the, the the hairs we're splitting here and it's tough. But I think if we added an Offensive Player of the Year award, I think that would be that would be a good idea. I like that idea a lot, honestly. Um, I think you should just pitch it to the association, and see what they have to say. Maybe you can make a quick buck off of that one. You never know. Hey, maybe but, maybe he'll let it, maybe he'll let me uh, he'll give me some cash for that one. <laughs> hey, any way you want to collect that bag, you let me know. I'll be there to help you carry it. That's it. But uh, you mentioned Russell Westbrook, so let's talk about him for a second because he dominated the headlines as he has been, uh, unfortunately in a negative light from his months-long shooting slump, putting up uh, 
uncharacteristic, really poor offensive numbers. And he just can't seem to climb out of this rut that he's in. It's led to Lakers fans and pretty much anyone online trolling him. And now it's moved to his family. Uh, His wife, Nina Westbrook, went to Twitter, went on sort of a tweet series there saying how the Westbrook family and her are getting death uh, wishes, she said, and just harassed on a daily basis. And he finally addressed that after the Lakers uh, lost to the Spurs the other night and where he shot, again, poor numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but I think it was something like 5 for 14 from the field, and that was like 1 for 6 he was in the fourth quarter. But uh, anyway, he addressed it after the game and said in the short that you know he backs what his wife said on Twitter and that now it's reached a point where the chance and the harassment are going back into the home now. So that's when he needed to feel the need to step up and, you know, put a hopeful stop to it. Um, he did go on a long, uh, a long speech there in the post game. So he basically said it was about the legacy of his kids. He doesn't want to be shamed anymore. Got into it in a viral video with a fan. Um, so that was pretty much that, but there's, debates about the story because people talk about okay yes the taunting is warranted to a certain extent but of course not the family not any of that so what were your thoughts on this I know you said you had a few to share with us yeah so look I think we're talking about multiple different things here and you know me Jenna I'm almost always on the side of the players right um I think fans oftentimes cross the line, go way too far, and 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 overstep. Now, as it relates to death threats and anything that involves his family, i.e. his kids and his wife, those are off limits in terms of uh fans going over the line, right? Like that's just not that's an area where you don't where you don't go. Criticizing his play and all that, that's fine. Now, it's an interesting thing that Westbrook's doing right here. Like he's saying that. When you say Westbrick, it is hurting my kids' uh, name. They, they love the name Westbrook, and you're hurting my legacy in their name. And to me, Jenna, this is a cop-out by Russ, and he's using his kid as a shield to protect himself, right? This is a man who, when he was good, right, was often acerbic with the media, right, very sort of like petulant and had a vibe of, I do what I want and whatever. And it's all, and it's all well and good. And his play for the most part backed it up. So there really wasn't a whole lot to say. Well, now that your play is poor and has been poor, all of a sudden now you don't want to take the criticism that comes with it. And I'm sorry, bro, but that's how this game works. You play for the glamour franchise in the NBA. You are playing terribly and people are going to talk about it, right? Like again, when you refuse to answer questions or speak to certain media members, that was tolerated and people dealt with it when you were playing at all NBA levels. You ain't even an all-star level this year, right? I mean, you're barely playing like an NBA starter level, right? The crash has fallen terribly. And unfortunately now, those receipts from how you were behaving back then, they're coming due now, right? That tax is due now. And everyone's going to want their pound of flesh from you and they're going to take it out on him. And you could call it unfair, you can call it whatever it is, but that is the reality of professional sports, right? Like, that's the part that comes with it. And, you know, again, no one should be threatening harm against his family. Like, what, 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 no. To his point, this is a game. So cut that, cut that crap out. 
that no people who are doing that need to be if they're actually posing credible threats need to be arrested the whole nine right but skip bayless calling you westbrook on tv yo man that's just part of the deal dude like sorry like you're not good you're breaking shots and you have not changed your game mm-hmm. to deal with the fact that you're declining athletically right and so yeah. people are going to call you that is part and parcel of the public sphere you choose to play in as Bomani Jones often says, that's what the money's for, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 all that amazing money you make. And by the way, that $47 million you will opt into next year. That's what the money's for. Okay. It's for when you get a deal with all this, that's, that, that's part of it. Couldn't agree more. Um, and speaking of the money, Westbrook is the highest paid player on the Lakers right now. I'm talking above LeBron James. So Westbrook is collecting this season $44 million. I think that's maybe two or three shy of uh, LeBron, who played a heavy role in recruiting him, let's not forget. And we should hold him accountable there. But that's a whole other conversation with the roster that he helped construct in LA. But to your point before we move on, I agree with what you're saying, and what I'm about to say has nothing to do with the harassment or criticism that the family has received. I do not believe in taking it into the home. I think that is completely wrong. People should be reprimanded to the highest extent of the law that it serves for threats and things of that nature. But as for the Westbrook chants and the criticism and, you know, critiquing his play, 100% deserved, especially because we just said he makes the most money on that salary or on that roster and you're putting up historically poor offensive numbers which is kind of what you're known for and you say this all the time on this podcast you can look at the box score one night and Westbrook could be filling it but that doesn't mean he's not shooting a two for 15 from the field and you know per se breaking shots so again yeah I mean There's a heavy price you pay when you go to L.A. I mean, shameless plug to watch the new HBO series, but it's the glitz, the glamour. You have a target on your back. I mean, Magic Johnson uh, came for him as well. Apparently, Phil Jackson has been helping them out a little bit. He's also an advisor, so no surprise there. I mean, what what a disaster the Lakers are, first of all. Right. Phil Phil Jackson, like, what do we – got Phil Jackson, the Rambuses. Like, what what is happening in in the Lakers Lakers office? Right. Hey, Bleacher Report said that uh, Westbrook and the Lakers might have a mutual interest in moving him in the summer. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean. I mean, sure. It's his his responsibility to, like you said, adjust his game to this team. So. The the, the big thing there, Jenna, is you want to stop the criticism? Play better. Like, I mean, right? Like, if you want that to stop, play better. Yeah. And it stops. Right? He, He plays better. This goes away. But the problem is that defiance and stubbornness that he has built his career on, that won him an MVP, right? Again, I think incorrectly so, but be that as may, it happened. That defiance and stubbornness is what willed him to the career he has. Okay, well, my guy, that's the gift and the curse. That same gifts that you use to get you to the heights mm-hmm. is now causing you all this torment on the backside, right? And yeah. this is this is how it goes, my guy. So on. And listen, he may find himself out of the league soon, okay? Because he opts in, right? Because he's going to opt in and get that $47 million. Okay, fine. He's going to play a year, whether it's with the Lakers or... Because he's not refusing that money. He's taking all of it. Okay, cool. After that, when he's a free agent, what team 
wants to bring him in to play for them, to sign him to any kind of money. Not after this run uh, with the Lakers. So, and, and, and it'll be it'll be after the end of next season. So he'll be another year older. Yeah, and they want to catch him on the end of that contract because, whew, geez. So I just you know it. This is this is this may end poorly for us. Yeah, it sucks. It's hard. I always bring this up, but you know, it just reminds me of the guys who who did make the changes in the latter half of their career. Um, like Dwayne Wade, I always say he made that adjustment, that six man adjustment, and apparently that was brought up with Westbrook, and he wasn't a fan of it. But hey, I mean, Dwayne Wade never fought it, in my opinion. Carmelo Anthony fought it, and then it, look at what happened to him. I mean, again, you can't really know what's going on behind the scenes and this and that, but. That's what it reminds me of. And then I feel like Melo went back, kind of worked on, you know, what his role is in a team, the league at this point in his life, his his career, and he adjusted. So, hey, maybe Westbrook needs that, um, or maybe this is just a slump. Who knows? But it Jenna, is a months-long slump. According to Dunkson 3's estimated plus-minus, which I just explained what that is, mm-hmm. Westbrook is having the worst season of his career. Even when he was a rookie, he wasn't this bad. As a rookie, he was... Minus 0.6 in EPM, right? Points per 100 possessions in terms of what he does impact the team. So the team was six-tenths of a point worse with him on the floor as a rookie. The team is now, his his EPM now is minus 1.5. So every time he's on the floor, he costs his team almost two full points. I mean, right? And that's a far cry from the height of his career when his best season, he was plus seven. I mean, it's... He he is he is not an impactful. He's not a player that impacts winning anymore in a positive way. And again, he has not changed his game to deal with that fact. He never learned to shoot. You know, right? all, all the different things that you need to do to age gracefully in this game, mm-hmm. he hasn't done because again, it's you know, remember the famous campaign the year that that Durant left. Now I do what I want. It's like, all right, dude, cool. Now you do what you want. Okay, got you an MVP is doing what you want thing. How's that working out for you now? Not great. Not great. I mean, not that I would ever say Russell Westbrook went into the Lakers thinking that he didn't have to put in the work, but I think that he might've relied heavily on the, on LeBron James and the guys that are there. Uh, Maybe thinking that it would be a lot easier than it was. Who knows? We shall see though, how it plays out. Really. That's all we can do at this point and then see what happens. If they make the play-in, I can't believe I am saying that. But speaking of teams that aren't even, they don't even got to worry about that. Let's talk about the teams that are already pretty much a lock to clinch a playoff spot at this point in the game. Less than 20 games left. Let's start in the East with the teams that are surging right now. We're talking the number one and two Heat and Sixers, followed by the Bucks and Celtics. The Celtics on a nice late season run right now behind the strength of Jason Tatum, who has just had an incredible surge of his own, uh, speaking of that. So let's kick things off, though. Talk to me about the Miami Heat squad here. I mean, we've seen flashes of greatness from Miami in the latter half of seasons. That seems to be a trend of theirs, and it only se- they only seem to get stronger as the postseason goes on, and we've always talked about this. They are a postseason team. This is their bread and butter. But talk to me about uh, the leaders in the East here. I mean, Jenna, the Heat just play a brand of defense that is really tough. And Eric Spolstra might be the best coach in the league 
right? I mean, this team is always prepared. They play super hard. They're like in their defense. So they are number five in adjusted defensive rating, number nine in offense, right? So top 10 in both. And that's exactly where you want to be as a team that you're heading towards uh, the postseason. Look, we know about Jimmy Butler. We know about Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry. Um, you got Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, the runaway six man of the year. Uh, Omar Yusturvin. They have all these guys coming out of nowhere that are contributing. And Victor Oladipo just got back on the floor at the beginning of this week and scored 11 points. And if he's someone that they can count on off the bench, I mean, this is this is something to watch. I think for me, Jenna, the look, Miami, they're going to be a tough outcome postseason. You, I mean, they're, they're the top seed, so you don't want to play them. I will say this. My concern about Miami in a playoff series is their ability to create enough offense late in games. All those fun little Duncan Robinson handoffs, quick repicks, and all those fun things that work and cute against the Charlotte Hornets and against the Orlando Magic and teams that don't care in the regular season about defense, those things don't work in the postseason late in games, right? Because teams got you scouted. They mm-hmm. know what's coming, right? And so do they have enough individual shot creation? I know Jimmy can individually create. He's not shooting it well this season, but he can individually create. Who else do I trust? Okay, Hero. It's a lot of pressure to put on him. Kyle Lowry really isn't that dude. Bam Lowry, Bam, Bam Adebayo really isn't that dude. Is Victor Oladipo going to be ready for that? So that's what I'm looking for as they advance deeper <laughs> and they play against the better defensive teams. Look, as it stands right now, they could end up playing the Brooklyn Nets in round one. That's not that. I mean, Nets in the playoffs, they win, they become the eight seed. Uh, Miami's won. That's not a series that the that the Heat are looking forward to. No matter how what what they say, how great they play on defense, they're like, oh, we got PJ Tucker. Look. P.J. Tucker fouled the hell out of Kevin Durant last year in that Milwaukee Bucks series every single time he was on the floor, and Durant averaged 42 points a game, right? So they still have no answer for that dude, okay? And now you're talking about Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. Like, this is going to be a different team to face, and that's not going to be any kind of 4-0 walkthrough, right? So, again, Miami's great, but I worry about them in terms of their, their ability to score late in games and get enough offense. They can guard. But can you score enough? And, you know, that's that's concerning. 100% there. Uh, great defensive team. Uh, Bam Adebayo, DPOY? He's he's close. Look, I think Giannis has probably got a better case at DPOY right now. But And Bam missed too much time. Uh, mm-hmm. But, no, he's – and, you know, Draymond really was a runaway, runaway guy ahead of the year with with that. But, no, I, I think Giannis has probably got a better case than, than Bam right now. Uh, just, again, because the, the game's missed uh, on Bam's end. But when he's on the floor uh, – incredibly impactful defensive player love it Spo's just too good there so talk to me about the 76ers because of course we highlighted Joel Embiid before in the MVP race but Tyrese Maxey has come into his own and I don't want to use the word dark horse but he's kind of evolving right before our eyes and he's a great offensive piece for them and of course James Harden who just joined the squad and he's gelling well with Embiid. So talk to me about this as they head into the postseason or toward the postseason, I should say, because as we know, James Harden's record in the postseason isn't too long. Funny funny how James Harden looked miraculously good all of a sudden that he went to Philadelphia. Hamstrings look great. Must be that brotherly love in the air. Tear in the hammies all, all day. All, all of a sudden, shots are falling in. It's, oh. it's, it's amazing how that works. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. Look, the of course, anytime you have a brilliant player like James Harden paired with Joel Embiid, they'll figure out a way to make that work. They are excellent. They're scoring a ton of points. Um, 
you know, uh, that's a hell of a one-two combination. Look, they're going to be a tough out. That's also a team Brooklyn could face in round one, um, based on based on the playing tournament, which would be a hell of a series. Of course, for the Ben Simmons situation and many many other things. Look, I I like this team a lot. I wonder if in the the James Harden trade they gave up too much of their perimeter shooting. Seth Curry was a big piece for them in terms of scoring yes. points and shooting. And now you got to rely on Tobias Harris and Danny Green, who haven't been great from three this year. You're talking about um, Ferkman Korkmaz, who hasn't shot the ball well from three this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried a little bit about their shooting on the wing and then backup center. Like, Andre Drummond helped you guys, helped the Sixers when he was there. He's now on the Nets. You picked up DeAndre Jordan. Um, there's a reason why he was available. And now defensively, okay, defensively, I worry about this team. With James Harden, you got to play a switching kind of defense. But when you have Joel Embiid, you don't play switch. So defensively, Doxon have some work to do to figure out what makes the most sense. Now, unless he's like, we're just going to bludgeon you to death offensively because you can't stop our one-two combo. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, they sick Drew Holiday on James Harden, and they got Giannis and some size to battle against Joel Embiid. That looks a little bit different. So, again, Sixers are going to be a tough out, but they have some warts. Are you surprised by how well Harden seems to be fitting in now that we're a few games in? I mean, no. He's a, James Harden is a brilliant, brilliant basketball player, one of the greatest offensive players we've seen in the history of this game. I mean, he is he is phenomenal. Uh, so it's not surprising. I think, you know, when you have two elite players like Harden and Embiid and so smart basketball IQ-wise, they'll figure it out. That's not my issue with them is, on the other end, how are they going to guard, right? What's what's the strategy there? And, you know, how much can they lean on? As Grizz Maxey is, and I love how he's playing, he'll be a relative, you know, he doesn't have that much playoff experience. Yes, they played last season, but if you want to make a finals run, right, can Tyrese Maxey be the third best player on a championship team? Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, it's super interesting, too. The 76ers squad, even with the new additions, um, they don't have much playoff experience, really. And I should say, when I say much, I mean deep playoff experience. So, I mean, hey, we'll see. I'm glad to see them surging toward the end of the season, though. Uh, with what? Yeah, well, the Boston Celtics, we'll get to them. But, yeah, let's talk about the Bucks for a second here, too, because, again, they're led behind Giannis, and Chris Middleton has been going off lately as well. What's up with the Bucks here in their recent surge? Jenna, the Bucks look like they're slow playing everybody all season, right? But it's like, oh, what's wrong with the Bucks? What's wrong with the Bucks? I mean, they are the defending champions after all, right? They won the NBA Finals last year. They have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is just as good as he, if not better. As a team, Milwaukee, we're looking at the number five offensive rating and number 14 defensive rating. And to me, the defense, the really the question with that is that they, they're missing Brooke Lopez, who is expected back. Now, it's a back thing, and, you know, that backs are always tricky. But what made Milwaukee so tough last year were the, was the fact that they were so good defensively, right? They had two seven-footers in Giannis and Brooke Lopez in the paint. You scored no paint points against them, and you got no rebounds. The only team, Jenna, last year in the postseason that pushed the Bucs to elimination were the Brooklyn Nets. Why? Because they have Kevin Durant, right? So we don't need paint points because that dude can score from outside the paint, right? From three, from the mid-range. So we're good on that. Well, not every team has someone like that. In fact, no team besides the Brooklyn Nets has someone <laughs> like that, right? So if, you, if you're not going to get easy buckets at the rim and you can't shoot it consistently from the mid-range and from deep, 
it's going to be hard to beat this. I mean, you can't get rebounds because, again, with Lopez and Giannis gobbling everything up, they just mauled you to death. And then on the other end, nobody has an answer for Giannis. That's just, you know, he's a freight train, right? It, it it's They're going to be a tough team. Now, if Lopez is back, isn't healthy, and it's tricky, and they don't know, and Giannis has to play more time at the five where there's more Bobby Portis minutes, then yeah, I think that they could be vulnerable. The Pat Connaughton injury, that matters right now, right? So keep an eye on those things. But I think Milwaukee, you know, they're kind of just laying in the weeds, slow playing. And again, they won the championship last year. So that monkey's off their back in terms of, oh, is Bud going to get fired? They don't got none of those things going into right. this postseason. In many ways, Jenna, they're going to play freer because it's like, we won it already. We're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you said, I think we questioned, you know, after they won the championship, you know, can't wait to see how the Bucks are next year. Like, will they have that like post championship like, like slump a little bit, or like, will they coast? But like, it's just it. The wheels keep turning, and it, it's great in Milwaukee. And it's funny because remember at the beginning of the season, you said that they were like slowly playing us too because mm-hmm. they were doing good, but they were under the radar because mm-hmm. everybody else was stealing the headlines. Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. damn mm-hmm. it. Anyway. <laughs> um, Moving on before things get testy up in here, the Boston Celtics didn't expect to see this team if we were having this conversation a couple weeks back because this late season surge that they're having is actually incredible. They just went on a run. Jason Tatum's been putting up crazy numbers. I think he dropped 50-some the other night. Uh, Again, first-year head coach, Ime Udoka. I mean, a lot of good things to say for him right now in Boston. Jenna, 538 Sports have the Boston Celtics as the best percentage chance of winning the finals at 19%. The Boston Celtics. Yes, according to 538 Sports. Now, that's not the be-all, end-all, whatever, but some more numbers for you guys. The Celtics are number five in adjusted net rating. They have the number one defensive rating in the NBA at 106.1. Now, their their adjusted offensive rating is 17th. However, it has been steadily rising over this lengthy 10, 15 games that they've been playing extremely good basketball. You mentioned Jason Tatum playing well, uh, Jalen Brown playing well. They're playmaking, finding their teammates. Look, in the playoffs, if you can get stops and you have brilliant individual one-on-one creators, that is always a recipe for success. Well, we know they can get stops. And we just saw what Jason Tatum did to the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday and what he's been doing all season. This guy is a bucket, right? He can score. And that is always a chance for success. And the question is going to be, come postseason, are they going to be able to create enough shots for everybody else and then take over when they need to? But Boston's, look, they're they're playing excellent basketball right now, Jenna. And, you know, I think the way it's set up right now, I'm going to pull up the standings to see where they are. I want to see who their playoff matchup would be if we just, you know, if everything ended today and where it would be. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics right now, I think, you know, they're playing the best basketball in the league and they're confident. Remember, Tatum and, and Brown went to the Eastern Conference Finals already as like rookies and young players. So they're they're not yeah. afraid. Uh, the Celtics are fifth right now and their matchup would be against the Chicago Bulls. And in many ways, like, I like that matchup for them. I, I, I like it a, a lot. I think that's a matchup they could win and they win that. It, it could be Boston and Miami in in round in round two if, if Miami wins their first round matchup depending on who they play. And remember, when Miami went to the finals in the bubble, it took everything to beat the Celtics, right? That was a Every- seven-game series, right? Mm-hmm. So I was listen, nervous. 
the, the East is going to be a bloodbath getting out of there. Ooh, I mean, it's yeah. just, there's no easy, easy round series. Not even your first round is going to be easy. There's just, there's too much depth in that conference. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want none of that smoke in the East. I mean, and if you guys will notice that uh, we're going to move on to the West now, and it's going to be a much shorter conversation because <laughs> right now the East is so good and so deep that really it's kind of overshadowing the West in a little bit of ways. Uh, again, we're talking teams that are on recent surges, so don't get mad that your Warriors and your Suns aren't in here right now because we're talking about the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I said it. The Mavericks. Don't laugh at me because they have surged their way up to the fifth spot in the West right now, right above the Nuggets there. And they're playing outstanding basketball, especially after trading away Chris Apps Porzingis. So talk to me about these Dallas Mavericks here because – they came off an off season and a beginning of the season with front office drama, rumors out the wazoo, and just from issues everywhere at this point, even rumors of rumblings of an unhappy star in Luka Doncic. Jenna, the Mavericks are 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, Luka Doncic is on fire. Uh, First-year head coach Jason Kidd has got them playing defense in a way they have not played before. They are number six in adjusted defensive rating, and the offense crept up to middle of the pack at 15th at 111.9 points per 100 possessions. Now, the trade of Chris Asporzingis and bringing over Spencer Dinwiddie is another piece to help them and help Luka get off the ball a little bit, right, and make things easier for some of the other guys. Look, if they're guarding like this and Luka's hot, look, in any series, Luka can be the best player on the floor. If they're guarding the way they're guarding, and he's the best player on the floor, oh, they're winning that series. And let me tell you right now, the way that the, the, if the playoffs were to be were to start today, the first-round matchup would be the Utah Jazz versus the Dallas Mavericks. And Jenna, I don't think the Jazz want any parts of Luka. Now, of course, the Jazz have Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Rudy and, and Bogdanovich, and, you know, but listen, Luka could detonate them because they have no answer for him. They have nothing, nothing, no... No way to stop him. And we saw in that game the other night when the Jazz and the Maverick and, and, and the Mavericks played, Luca and Rudy jawing at each other a little bit. Luca calling for Rudy on the switch, mm-hmm. going at him. Like, listen, this is if that's a first round matchup, woo, spice. Major spice. Luca plays with this fire in him that is so good, but also so dangerous, especially in these postseason games that matter because he, he, of that fire. He has that I want to embarrass you style to it, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to just beat you. I want to embarrass you. Remember when they played the Lakers about a week ago, he was calling for LeBron James on the switch. He's like, no, 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 no. Run here. Get LeBron on me. Got LeBron, took him down to the to the mid post, fade away, cash. I was like, mm. when he when he's feeling it like that, I mean, again, it's any it's any of these great players in the league, right? Luca, Katie, Steph, whoever. When these dudes are, it don't matter what your defense is. You're not stopping them. They just, it doesn't like foul them, be inside their jersey. You know, it, it don't yeah. matter. They're scoring anyway. That's how good they are. And yeah, that's, he, he's like that. Love to hear it. You also mentioned uh, head coach and Jason Kidd. If you were, if the season ended today, what grade would you give him? I mean, God, it, I mean, it's got to be B plus, A minus. I mean, look at the defense they're playing, Jenna. Like they're, they, under Rick Carlisle, they never, Carlisle, they never guarded this well. They are guarding, and it's incredible. They've bought in on that end of the floor, and that was always their Achilles' heel, right? Could they get stops? Listen, if they're getting stops, 
and they got Luca and Dinwiddie's playing well, and Dorian Finney-Smith and these guys are hitting threes, and yeah, man, <sighs> trouble, trouble. Like what I'm seeing. Let's move on to the Denver Nuggets because a very unlikely dark horse team in the surge list here in the West because you mentioned this earlier in the episode. Yes, they have MVP candidate in Nikola Jokic, but that is all they have, essentially. There's no Jamal Murray. There is uh, no Michael Porter Jr. right now. So, I mean, really, he doesn't have a lot of weapons, and he's playing at an MVP level in, night in and night out. So this is an interesting team when you put it into perspective about how the Lakers are in the ninth seed and they have mostly all their stars except for Anthony Davis, including LeBron James, and it's just Nikola Jokic keeping this team in the sixth seed. Jenna, Denver is 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. We talked about Nikola Jokic MVP as a team. This team with Nikola Jokic and a bunch of people you never heard of, Will Barton, I mean, you know Will Barton, Bones Highland, right? Brancuso, Compazzo, like, I mean, these aren't all-star level dudes. They are 8th in adjusted offensive rating, 11th in adjusted defensive rating. 11th! Listen, and guess what? Mike, Michael Porter Jr. has been cleared for on-court activity. If he's back in time for the playoffs, and Jamal Murray's back in time for the playoffs, Jenna, Denver's a scary team. Now, those guys are going to take some time working off some of the rust and all that, but I'll tell you what, if those guys get a chance to play any games in the regular season before the postseason begins and they come back with maybe the two-time league MVP and Nikola Jokic, you don't want no parts of Denver in in, in the playoffs because they might win. And right now, the playoff matchup would be the Golden State Warriors at three and the Denver Nuggets at six. And listen, the the Warriors' best hope that Draymond is back and healthy and ready to roll because if he's not... I think he was targeting next week. I think he mentioned. Yes. Yeah, but March 14th. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ne- and then James Wiseman might mm-hmm. return there. So mm-hmm. we're going to see some exciting stuff out of the Bay. Uh, yeah, the Nuggets, liking what I'm seeing, hopefully they can get some of their stars back to make a nice postseason run there. Um, nice trio they have in Denver. Let's talk about the Timber Puppies, which <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get that name and stay with it right now because they're on our surge list in the West. Talk to me about this one because, again, I said Dark Horse before, but they might have to take the cake on that one. Winners of five straight, eight and two in their last 10 games, 37 and 29. They are only two and a half games behind the Denver Nuggets for the sixth spot. So in the seven in the playoff seed right now. By the way, they are a full eight games ahead of the Los Angeles Lakers, the Timberwolves. Listen, Cat, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. They're young. They're fun. They can score like nobody's business. They're mm-hmm. playing a little bit of defense. Jenna, the, the Timberwolves are seventh in adjusted offensive rating, 12th in adjusted defensive rating. Look, like that playing right now, the playing between the Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, and Pelicans. Woo! Man, Timberwolves, what's say They play the Clippers, win that first game, they get that seven seed. Timberwolves, Grizzlies, that'll be a hell of a series. Right, look at that. I, I picked my Memphis Grizzlies to go out win, win that first round series, and they very well could, but that ain't going to be an easy walkover, man. Not that, not the way the Timberwolves are playing. They're doing some interesting things there. They got some young talent, and it's nice to see the Timberwolves, you know, finally, you know, doing something good for their fan base. And you know, it's it's been a it's been a rough several years being being a Timberwolves fan if you are one. So to see this with the young talent, this has got to make them feel good. I. I I think it'll be nice if, if they're able to, you know, get into that playoff and really 
give those fans in Minneapolis something to, something to share about. Heck yeah. We'll see again, guys. It's uh fluid in the NBA right now. So less than 20 games, but this list can easily change. You guys know what's up. So let's move on before we close out our episode and talk about our top five here and see who's cooking in each conference. Gerard, you kick us off. You know, Jenna, it's tough. Like I, I go back and forth with this all the time and I'm like, oh, how much do I give people like credit for where they are, where they've been all season? It's like, uh, okay, so here's what I'm doing. Because I'm saying right now, who's playing the best right now? Not like historically. I'm going to say at five, I got the Memphis Grizzlies. At four, I have the Miami Heat. At three, I have the Boston Celtics. At two, I have the Dallas Mavericks. And at one, I have the Phoenix Suns. Those are my top five teams. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like it. I am going with (laughs) my number five team is the Hornets right now Mm, because they are right above the nets <laughs> and i just think it's great because we might not ever see this again in a long time so <laughs> just gonna give the hornets their flowers there a little bit because they deserve it for a second my number four team is the denver nuggets because mm. of all the reasons we said it's literally Jokic alone on an island in denver and at least you know like maybe there's nice activities to do there and he can just you know do something outside of the game um, and then my number three team is, of course, you guessed it, the Boston Celtics, mm. because this late season surge is too good for me not to have them on my list. And Jason Tatum, we're, I just want to put this out there that we are witnessing the, as they say, shifting of the guards, John mm. Morant, Jason Tatum, all these guys, Jalen Brown. I mean, it's incredible to see. That was three, I said, right? Number two, I have the Grizzlies just because Ja Morant continues to show that he has no sense for gravity. Or <laughs> I just don't understand about that. And my number one team, who did I have here? Oh, my number one team I had was surprisingly the Clip or the Clippers, Jesus, the 76ers, <laughs> because of the huge trade that just went down. And again, I said this on one of the previous episodes, but like, they're like the the celebrity couple that like <laughs> is always in the news. You're just always a headline. There's always a problem. And you just have to try to do your job and, you know, go about your day and just, you know, not look at everything <laughs> that everybody's saying. So again, proud of them uh, there in Philly and especially after they got rid of Seth Curry, who's just thriving on the nets. So mm-hmm. that's me. That's the top five. Those are your, those are your top five. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, this has been another rousing edition of the seven footers basketball podcast. Of course, we are part of the props network. You can find us on social media at Seven Footers Pod on Twitter, at Seven Footers Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Gentleman Selly. And until next time, peace. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps. Trying to have a plan that we may come true. Plotted some jobs, but I ain't hit back. I don't want to trap. What's a man going to do? Chevy told me, come through to the spot. Got a little kickback. Bring the whole crew. Right around 10, came dressed in the nines. You already know what we really finna do.